Can you say hallelujah? No, no, that is, that is too, that's too weak. No, one more time, say hallelujah. Now we got it. Actually, actually, uh, thank you, Brian. Actually, the books are not for sale. The books are for a donation from you guys because what we do is we use your money and I go back to Moody Publishers and I buy books from them and then we bring them to those in prison at no cost to them because they are broke. They have no money. So what you're going to do with that is you're going to help us bring the gospel to those men, women, and young people. Young people go to prison too. Many of them. Amen. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for my new friend, Pastor Mark here. Thank you for paying attention this morning. So before I begin, let me just one more time pray. All right. So thank you, Father, for being our Father. And I pray that through the Holy Spirit, Father, you will captivate these young people's hearts and minds, and the faculty, the staff, the guests, I pray, in order that we will be able, Father, to hallow your name, because that's exactly what Christ has done and does right now as we speak. So we see in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So there were two men that were fighting over is God black or is God white? And that they used to work together so they ride to the same job in the same vehicle. So one day they both got up, got into the vehicle and headed to work. And during that time they were arguing, God is black. No, God is white. God is black. So they argued so hard but then they got to work. They got a little bit you know, relaxed when it came time to leave. They went, went back home, but they didn't make it home because they were fighting so hard that they hit this post and they both got killed. But because uh, they were members of the church here, you know, Grace Church, right? They, they went to heaven and they found Peter at the gate waiting for them and said, hey, Peter, tell me now, is God black or is God white? I said, hey, guys, don't keep fighting. Sit right here in this very heavenly bench. And I'm going to call on God, and you're going to find out if he's black or if he's white. And they kept arguing, you're going to see he's black, you're going to see he's white. And finally, they hear these big steps. Boom. Boom. And finally, God walks in and says, buenos dias, amigos. He was now black. He was now white. He's Cuban. Amen. <laughs> I, I, happen to be, I happen to be a... Christian now, I'm a Christian now who, who happens to be Cuban. See, I am not Cuban. I am a Christian that happens to be Cuban. And sometimes we, we put our culture before our faith in Christ. So in Cuba, we play baseball. Every, every boy, every boy, oh no, girls play baseball too, but usually every boy that is born in Cuba in the crib they put a baseball bat, they put a baseball, and they put a glove. Just to give me a little hint that they're going to be baseball players. Cubans are very good at playing baseball, as you may have heard about that. I am using this because in life, most things that we learn, they are not taught, they are caught. 
they are caught. And in baseball, if the baseball hits the glove and it drops on the ground, what happens? The guy is what? Safe. And the devil and his demons and agents are way too safe in America because we are not catching the truth that we need to catch, you see. So I want to ask you a question. Could you show me your glove, please? Could you show me your glove? Come on, show me your glove. I don't have a glove for everybody, but could you show me your glove? Amen. So do me a favor. Do me a favor. I need you to catch everything that I believe we're going to hear from God, the Holy Spirit, this morning. Are you ready? All right. First question, and you're going to see a bunch of screen slides on the screen, so I'm going to go fast this morning uh, because they, they only gave me 40 minutes. So I'm going, to, I'm going to move fast, but I need you to catch everything, okay? Deal? Deal? Amen? So let me ask you a quick question. Why are you here today? I know that they make you come to chapel. I, I get that. But why did you come today? Why did I flew all the way from Chicago with my dear wife facing right now breast cancer, going through chemo right now? And I said to Brian, yeah, I'm going to come because I gave you my word a year ago. And I'm going to come anyway. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the test, let me tell you why I'm here. So I want to ask you, why are you here today? I know that you come to chapel. I know that you come to different meetings. But just two, two of you, just tell me, why are you here today? Anybody? Come on. Why are you here today? Huh? To what? Okay, that's a good answer. What else? Just to learn. Good. Now, let me tell you why I'm here today. So thank you for the answers. Let me share why I'm here today. Number one, I am here because I want to cast for you, I want to cast for you a grandeur vision of the glory of God. Number two, I am, I, am, I am here because as you heard, Brian, I am representing 90 million people in America who are impacted by incarceration. I'm talking about inmates and their families because you see, when a person goes to prison or to jail, their parents go to jail too. Their children, their sisters, their brothers, their cousins, they all go to prison, but we don't think about them. But I'm also here, as you said, my friend, back, back there, because I want to learn from you and with you how to get to know Jesus much more intimately. You see, to know Jesus is to learn to pray like Jesus. Prayer is not just one thing we do. Prayer is what we do as Christians. Prayer is an intimacy with the Father. Jesus came to show us the Father, to be the way to get to know the Father intimately without interruption or distraction. It is a perpetual relationship. So I'm here because, you know, one of my books is called Radical Prayer. Okay? And you can read about it more, but it is about getting to know the Father the same way that Jesus does. And that takes time. That takes prayer. It takes a relationship. You see, it is in that relationship that you get to know the who, who knows the how. And the who is who is God the Father. 
Most people that go to prison and to jail, I was just sharing with my friend Brian and my friend Pastor Mark, they are there because they have no fathers. And you may have a father in your home who pays you tuition here, but maybe you don't really know your father at, at home. So it is our mission as a ministry to introduce all these people, millions of men, women around the world who are behind bars to their dads. But above all, to get to know the father, the real father, you see, because it is through that who, who is the father, that you begin to experience living hope. Living hope. Not just living hope, but hope that is for real. Hope that you can transfer. Hope that is magnetic. Hope that you say, man, I need hope. And if there's a time in history that we need hope in the world is today, right? I mean, I mean, what do you do in Ukraine? What do you do in Russia? What do you do in Europe? What do you do in America? What do you do in the inner cities? What do you do in this school? I mean, what do you do? Most of you have no hope, really. You know about it, but you have no hope. Well, let me define hope for you. Number one, H-O-P-E is on the screen. Hope is helping others pursue eternity. That's what you hear. You're here at Southwest Christian High School, so you can captivate this hope because people need this hope in your neighborhood, in your churches, everybody. People are hopeless. Amen? So you are here to give them the hope of Christ. It says there in the word of God that Jesus is the hope of glory. And God the Father made you and I as human beings in his image to fill you with his glory. Not to kill you, not to assault you, not to rape you, but to fill you with glory. But hope also means, H-O-P-E, it means helping our people everywhere. And our people are also in prison too. There are people in prison who are Christians. And therefore, we have a responsibility to be there for them through their time in prison. And also when they get out, we do what's called meet me at the gate. You see, Jesus Christ, think about this, became a prisoner. Think about that. I mean, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? So it is about helping others pursue eternity is helping our people everywhere. You see, there was a time that I had no hope. I was hopeless. I was dead. I was blind. And I was lost. But Jesus, as I was hiding from the FBI in Caracas, Venezuela, he found me. I didn't find him. He, I, I, I was lost. He found me, you see. He gave me his life. He gave me his eyes to see him, you see. He confronted me with his truth. What is missing today in America? Truth. Truth is on trial. It's not subjective truth. It's objective truth, you see. He, he confronted me on my face with his truth of the evangel, the gospel, you see. And then... And then, not only he confronted me, but he arrested me. Yeah, he arrested me. And then he invaded me, the Father with his grace. He gave me mercy, which means what? Mercy is what? Not receiving what I deserved. But then on top of that, he gave me grace. He gave me what I didn't deserve, you see. And I was running from the FBI. I didn't know what to do. I was... 
living the life. I was the womanizer, you, you see. But in that stage, my mother was praying for me. So I want to affirm this morning that God the Father is a good father. He's a father who loves you and loves me and is ready for you to open your heart and, and your mind so you can receive him even today because we don't want to fake it no more, you see. We don't want to fake it to make it. We don't want to go through the motion. We want to be for real. And this Christ is for, is, for, is for, you see, the same father, he saved my mother from a bunch of stuff. Let me just, let me tell you what, what happens when you became a born from above Christians. Number one, he saved my mom from God the Father's justifiable wrath. God the Father is bilingual. You know that? I am too. I speak Spanish. Here we are. He speaks wrath and he speaks love. But this morning, he's hiding his wrath behind his back. And he's loving on you. He wants to save us, Romans 5. From the justified wrath of God. Number two, he saved my mother from the slavery of sin. Why these young people cannot stop doing drugs? You know why? Because they're slaves to the sin of addiction. Number three, he saved my mother from the guilt of sin. From the, Christ took the guilt, took our guilt on the cross. Check his blood, right? Number four, he saved my mother from an eternal hell. Number five, he saved my mother from self. Oh, self is your worst enemy. Don't pray to self because self will always give you the wrong answer, you see. Number six, he saved my mother from the culture. From the, from the culture. Number, number, number seven, he saved my mother from the world. But also he saved my mother from witchcraft. My mother was a witch. She was a medium. You see, you don't have to be Cuban, no Dominican to, to believe in voodoo or all that. No, no, no. You could be in America. You could be right here in Minnesota. And you could believe in witchcraft. Because you see, witchcraft is what? It's drugs and alcohol. That's what we you see. It is a form of sorcery, the Bible says. You see what I'm saying? So she was saved and she was praying for me radically. Say, Father, save my son any way you can. And she did. Not only did she, did God use her as a vessel of mercy to save me, but also to save my father on the same day. I remember when I cried and I repented on the phone as I was hiding from the FBI and my mother was calling me with my dad. That she says to me, okay, Manolito, now that you're a Christian, when are you going to come back? I said, come back where? To America? You must be kidding. You must be crazy. How can I come back? If I come back, I'm going to go to prison. And she gave me my first verse. It's on the screen. I said, Manolito, if you come back, when you come back, even if you face the 55 years, the word of God says in Hebrews 35, he says, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's my testimony. All these years, I've been a believer now for 34 years. I don't regret a second. I'm a new creation, you see, of knowing Jesus. And that verse is my life verse. And I'm here to say this to you guys. God the Father wants to surprise you. Isn't that good when your father or your mother 
give you a gift that is not on your birthday or Christmas unexpectedly. My father wants to surprise you today. So he surprised me when I was locked up. I was supposed to be locked up for a long time. But he released me from prison out of nowhere, April 6, 1988. And I got out. Now, most people, when they get out of prison, what do they do? They go to McDonald's to get a cheeseburger. I didn't do that. I took a radical time out. And I looked back and I said, man, where, where did I just come from? I was making money. I had four cars. At an Audi 5000, Lincoln Tank Coupe, Cadillac Seville, a Mercedes Benz 380 without the hood. You know, when I used to have hair, you know what I'm saying? I was good looking. At 100, I was a womanizer. I was a great dancer. I'm from Cuba. I mean, what happened to me? I had money. I had name. I was the mayor's aide for the city of Union City, New Jersey. I was the number one salesman for another company called Prudential. I was making money. I was doing cruises with Celia Cruz, a, a grand combo, the best bands in the whole world. I was going to Nassau, to Bermudas. I mean, I had it all. But I went to prison. Anybody can make it to prison. You may be here, but you might be in prison. But Christ came to set the captives free. So I look back and I said this. I will always be in a scumbag. But by the grace of God, I will never be an inmate again. Grace is equal to power plus ability. In the back of my book that I hope just a few, uh, you know, are there. It's in my first book right, right here. Forward by Chuck Colson. I don't know that you know who he, who he was. But Chuck Colson was the last modern prophet in America. He went to prison too. He went from the White House. Being the right hand of, of Nixon. I hope that you learn that, that, that here in your classes. Great Born Again. That was his first book that he wrote. Joe Coulson went from the White House to prison. Well, he became my mentor. He followed my book. He became like a daddy to me. So in the back of my book, it's in the screen, I wrote, I could have been dead so many times. I always spent more, more money than I had, and I had a lot of money. I was always in over my head, and I was always involved into too many things I wanted. And now, this, now, this is the, what I want you to hear. This is the real clincher right here. Everything that I did was with me in mind. In other words, I believe in the human trinity. I believe in me, myself, and I. Many of you do too. Many of you are very selfish. And you are here, but you only think about yourself. That's not being a Christian. Now, I want to introduce you this morning to my biblical text because I have to give you a text. Right? I, have to, I have to speak from a biblical text today. This text was, was used at my wedding with my wife, Barbara, who is German. I am Cuban. And we met in Jerusalem in Israel. I was there on parole. Think, I mean, think about that. I was there on parole in Israel. That's crazy, right? So I met my wife. You can, you can read it right here. It's in my first book, you know, how we met. And we've been married now over 32 years. And I love that woman. I was a, amen. You can say, you can say, that's a good thing. 
Thank you, thank you. She like that. She, 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 she like that. But, but, but this biblical text right here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, was used at a wedding. And many people came to Christ at a wedding. Look at this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God the Father. For he made, now he is who? The Father made him who is him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, that we will become like the Father in Christ. Next slide, please. Therefore, action plan, right? If anyone is in Christ, Anyone, anybody in prison, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, anybody, right? He is or she is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, the Father, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. There are way too many fights today, even in the church. Now listen to this, verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing, not, not, not accounting, not, not taking our sins. There are trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Last verse here, last two verses here. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you, we, we, we passionately implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, this 21 is the most radical verse in the Bible, I believe. For he made him, God the Father made Christ, who was innocent, who knew no sin, to be seen for us, that we might become what? Say it. Of Christ. It is what Martin Luther called the, the great exchange. He took out all of our sins, past, present, and future, and he gave us his righteousness. Now, I'm going to give you quickly seven points from this text that I want you to take a little inventory. I came this morning for you to take a little inventory. Because sometimes we just believe that we are when in fact we're not. Let me tell you what this Verses say in seven quick points. And I want you to take light, to take attention to what he's saying. Because this is what happened to me when I became a born again from above. Amen. If you are not, if you don't, if your experience does not match with these seven points, I want you to reflect on that and to repent. Okay, here it is. Number one, what happened to me? What happens to anybody who is a Christian? Here it is. I became or you became a brand new creation in Christ as Christ gave me his resurrecting life and heart. I didn't give my life to Christ. I was dead. I didn't give my heart to him. He's wicked. No. Christ gave me his resurrecting life to me. Life means, L-I-F-E means living in freedom every day. He gave me his life. 
That makes me responsible. I am carrying in me everywhere that I go, his life and his heart. I have to protect that. I cannot be messing up. Now, I mess up sometimes, but I have to repent quickly because I am messing with the Holy Spirit. I am messing with the love of Christ. So number two, I became a precious, you are, if you are here, possession, an adopted son or daughter of God the Father, Jesus, younger brother. Jesus is your older brother. Think about that. Number three, the old things, habits, and ways of doing things died. They were buried. Number four, I received a new and eternal beginning to operate in the resurrecting power of Christ. God the Father never tires of new beginning. Number five, I was given the ministry of reconciliation. Number six, I became an appointed ambassador of hope, of hope in Christ, pleading on Christ's behalf to help others pursue eternity with Christ. They went to the Father. And number seven, I became the righteousness of Christ through the substitutionary atonement of Christ with the full payment of his sinless blood. If, if these seven points do not match with your point, with your experience, I want you to take inventory and reflect on that. Now, I have talked to you about hope. But if I stop here right now, I'm wasting your time. Then I'm bringing shame to the Father. So now I want to show you hope. Show you hope. Most preachers don't show you what they're preaching. I want to show it to you today like you have never seen before. I'm going to show you my spiritual father, Bishop Eugene Tannehill, who was sentenced to die on the electric chair in Louisiana, Illinois, in Louisiana, not Illinois, in, in Angola, Louisiana. Bishop God was commuted from life, from death row to life plus 25 years. I am in Angola, Louisiana, which was the bloodiest prison in the world, with my family and a bunch of other people. And the bishop says to my wife, says, Barbara, Someday I'm going to be in Wheaton, Illinois, praying for your two younger boys in your home. So my wife came to me and said, Money, what do I do with that? I said, Believe it. He told her that in his 47th year in prison, he had life plus 25. I'd like you to meet my friend right now, Bishop, Bishop Eugene Tannehill. Here Please pay attention. It's only six minutes. Here it is. The real gospel message, not the Mickey Mouse one that you hear out there. No, 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 no. We're giving you the gospel. And we have shown you the gospel. We have shown you hope. So I want to close with three, just three scriptures. And then I just need to catch my flight at 3.20 back to Chicago. But I'll be here until you need me to. And I'm going to ask you to come forward. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to challenge you today. Because you don't have to have cancer to die. And if you die without Christ, you are going to hell.
H-E-L-L. I'm not here to scare you now. I'm here to tell you the truth. I didn't come from Chicago to waste your time nor my time. Of course, I didn't come here to waste God's time either. So some of you don't care, and that's fine. But we are going to be judged. So here it is. So we have my last scriptures here on the screen. Do we have them? They are coming. Okay, here we are. But concerning the times and the season, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as the thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pain upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Next scripture. Beware, brethren, lest there be in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. Well, well, it is called today because tomorrow is not promised. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Well, it is said today if you will hear his voice, and I hope that you did, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And last a scripture as we close today. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has risen from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I just want to pray. So thank you, Father, for this chapel service. We pray. That as we meet out there in the lobby, that these students, faculty,